Hello and welcome to Faith Brook Church. My name is Mike Del Gallo and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. Well, whether we are here on site, maybe we're here online, or maybe you're watching later on demand, it is so good to be worshiping together. Well, maybe you are a guest with us this morning, or maybe you've been joining in for the last couple of weeks. Either way, we are so thrilled that you are joining in with us. In fact, we have been praying for you and we are hoping that you have an amazing encounter with God today. In fact, we also would want to encourage you to fill out a connection card. And so if you are here on site and want to draw your attention to the seat back in front of you and pull out the blue connection card, and at the end of the service, you can turn that into the offering box as you leave. You can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. Well, whether you fill out a physical or digital connect card, two things would happen. One, I would love to personally follow up with you and just thank you for joining in. And two, on behalf of Faithbrook, we would love to make a $5 donation to one of our local nonprofit ministry partners, Feed My Starving Children. And this is just a way to celebrate you joining in with us. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation on your behalf. Well, here at Faithbrook, our vision is to be a church who lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. And one of our focuses around here is the next generation. You see, we are really passionate about seeing the next generation not only having a relationship with Jesus, but having a thriving life with Jesus. And one of the best ways that we do this is through summer camp. You see, two weeks ago, Pastor Brennan and a few volunteers took up 16 kids up to kids camp, and it was a blast. They had a great time not only making some solid friendships, but they also played some fun games. But most importantly, they had an opportunity to connect with Jesus and grow in relationship with him. You see, kids camp is an amazing time because for a lot of kids, they this is their first opportunity to actually give their life over to and commit to Jesus for the first time. And for our kids, this was a great chance for them to continue to grow in their faith with Jesus. Now, I just want to say thank you to everyone who generously gives because the Kids Camp is made possible because of you. You see, your generosity sees to it that we can send our kids up to camp and that they have an opportunity to grow and they can get away from the mundane life here in the suburbs and they can get away to camp and have an opportunity to connect with Jesus. So thank you so much for your generosity. Now, if you're sitting there and you're wondering how you can give towards a vision and support the next generation, the best the best way to do so is through the Church Center app. You could download this from your app store. And then when you download it, you can create a profile. And then when you get to the startup screen, you can go through the next steps. And then you'll see at the bottom to hit the give button. You can select the amount and you can give towards vision and seeing that we can support our kids and seeing that they have a thriving relationship in Christ. So again, thank you for your generosity and living out the vision. Well, again, I just want to thank everyone for joining joining in and worshiping together this morning. In just a few moments, we're going to hear from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our summer series, Summer on the Mount. Well, it's summertime, and there's something special about summer, kids going camping, people getting out, and for some people, it's about fishing. Now, if you know me, I, one of my hobbies is fishing. I like going out fishing. I think it's kind of like my uh, therapy or something to get out there and try to catch some fish. Now, one of the decisions that every fisherman has to decide on, are they going to use artificial lures or are they going to use the real thing? It's a big dilemma, right? Now, there's a lot of manufacturers out there that gives you a lot of choice of using some 
artificial or plastic uh, lures. For instance, I brought some today, and these are called um, stick worms. Uh, here's one right here. It is a good-looking, fat little thing, and there's about eight others. They got some little uh, glitter in them, whatever. Hopefully, they're, that's really attractive. That, that's a plastic lure. Maybe a fish like, hmm, I might take a hold of that, right? Or you can get the real thing and bring, break out a big old juicy night crawler. Mm, I brought some today. Anyone interested? Look at this guy right here. Oh, man, he is a good, woo, juicy. Got some real-life guts in there and stuff, and those fishes are attracted. Aha. Now, if you were a fish, which one would you like, right? The plastic, the fake, or the real thing? Now, now sometimes I have to admit that I, I, I go with this. A lot of times, especially if we're family fishing, because my wife is not into that. And I'll be spending most of my time worrying about this and uh, putting it on the hook, et cetera. So we go with the old plastic. Now, when this floats down in front of that Mr. Billy Bass, right, he looks at that. He says, oh, that looks like a worm. Look how pretty on the outside. And so he starts chewing on that thing. And pretty soon that bass is like, this is not the real thing. This is not really a night crawler too late. Because about that time, I'm jerking that line, right? And I'm setting that hook, and he's caught. Yes. So we have this, this dilemma, this decision. Are we going to go real, authentic, or are we going to go plastic and kind of fake? Well, I want to welcome you to Faithbrook today. Thanks for coming on this uh, rainy morning. Praise God for the rain. Hopefully you're viewing us today. Maybe you're out of town or going to view this later. I uh, hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, God is in the house this morning and uh, we are looking into this, this um, summer series called Summer on the Mount. It's inspired by the Sermon on the Mount. We find in Matthew in three chapters. Good old Matthew dictated and recorded everything that Jesus was saying on this hill on the side of Galilee. His disciples, his followers were sitting there listening to him. And really, Jesus is trying to press into him about living like him and following him. Last week... We started at the back of this long sermon, chapter, um, I think it was chapter 7, uh, about uh, if you um, apply what I've taught you, he said, you're kind of like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So when the storms and the problems came, it stood. But if you're a person that does, disregards what I just told you and I taught you, you're like a foolish man who built his house or his life on the sand. And when the Storms came, come, there's problems, it's going to be a crash. So today, we're going to go back to the first part of the sermon, um, verse 5, and uh, kind of build off of that teaching of last week, that when we, put, we practice what Jesus preaches, we find peace. Because Jesus is really trying to drive home a point throughout this whole sermon, and this is what we're going to be reflecting on this summer, and that is living authentically, the importance of living Christ-like, authentic lives. If you are a follower, uh, I, I pray that you would lean into this. What does this look like? How does this live out in my life? Maybe you're exploring Christianity, you're not sure, and maybe you, we can learn through this summer uh, just what's important to Christ looking into that. Living authentically. 
Well, that word authentic was really not a popular world word when I was younger. I didn't hear my parents talk about that word much. I didn't hear my church talk about it. My, I didn't hear it in any messages from preachers or, or pastors because it wasn't that valuable to be an authentic follower of Christ. In those days when I was growing up, probably what was the most valuable thing was to uh, live the life, be dedicated, and your behavior needs to line up with Jesus was expected. So I grew up in a home, right, that was like, hey, Jimmy, they call me Jimmy, right? Uh, we don't want you to smoke, drink, or chew, and surely don't go out with girls who do. You know what I mean? I mean, anybody grow up that way? It was all about looking good, don't embarrass us, uh, behave like a Christian. So I found myself that I was kind of fake a little bit. I, uh, on the outside, if people saw me, I say, well, I follow the rules. I, I look like a, a Christian. But what they didn't see is the inside. Um, I was kind of empty. There was some corruption there. I was kind of uh, a pseudo-Christian. I went to church. I didn't lie, steal. I didn't do any bad things. But the truth of the matter is my heart was not full of Jesus. It wasn't uh, alive. It wasn't breathing with Jesus. Now, maybe some of you can relate to that. Some of you might say, yeah, that, that's why I'm really not into Jesus, because I run into a lot of Christians who claim that they go to church, that they follow Jesus. But, you know, when push comes to shove, I, I don't see them really having a passion or a love life with Jesus. They're just kind of a religious people. And frankly, I don't have time for that. There's plenty of other things to do. We've found in America that people are not flooding to churches these days. In fact, a lot of people uh, in America is like, you know, a lot of times they're, they're hypocrites. Uh, thanks to the uh, Internet, any scandal or any hypocrisy comes from a spiritual leader, a Christian leader is exposed everywhere. So we have generations, generations that are just like, well, what are you talking about? That guy on that platform, that guy on that screen, he's probably a hypocrite. I've got no time for that. The people that, that I co go to work with, they claim they're the Christians, but they're doing what I'm doing, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't see the, the attraction of that. And so we see this decline a lot of times, especially in formal, more traditional Christian venues. So Jesus wants to address this living authentically. Building your life on an authentic relationship with Christ. And so back at the first chapter, chapter 5, he dives into uh, some, some teaching. So let's take a look at this, this teaching at chapter 5, verses 17. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Now, there's a lot in this, this paragraph. It's kind of confusing, I have to admit. Um, so let me try to unpack it for you a little bit. So th these are Jewish people. Um, when he says the law, they know exactly what he's talking about. Now, us Gentile people, we're, we're not sure what that means. But the law was a big deal. Since they were we little ones, they were indoctrinated in following the, the Jewish law. And, and now Jesus is on the scene, and he's claiming he's the Messiah. And uh, they're like, hey, we don't have to follow that stuffy, strict, formal law. Maybe we just go into with Jesus and follow him, and we don't need that law. And so he's, he's addressing this. 
Now, for them, the law was um, the first five books of the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so the first five books of the Old Testament are called the Torah. It's what Moses. And so as Jesus, or, I'm sorry, God was trying to collect this new nation of Israelites, he needed to give them some structure, give them some direction. So he, he started with the Ten Commandments, right? The first commandments have no other God set for me. And so he starts bringing these, these writings and these Jewish people. Oh, now we know how to worship. There are some ceremonial uh, rituals and laws. There's some civil laws. There's some moral laws. He gives them some expectations and some boundaries, just how to do life, uh, how we view sexuality, all these kind of laws. And so they have grown up with this. And now they're kind of tempted to say, well, Jesus is here. I'm not sure if, if we need that. Well, Jesus is like, whoa. Now, inside this law that you learned, there was all some prophecies. It was all setting up for me to come before you right now. The law was a forerunner. It, it was foretelling. It was showing that eventually there would come. So he says, I need to finish it. I've come to accomplish its purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest details of God's law will disappear until his purpose is achieved. And he's coming. Now remember, they don't know he's going to the cross. They don't know anything about a new covenant. And eventually, it's going to come that he's going to uh, have a, bring a new set of standards or heart to get to Christ. So they're a little confused. And he, he continues on. He says, so if you ignore the least commandments and teach others to do the same, you'll be called, least, called the least in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, if, if you're going to belittle the law, if you're just kind of throwing it out, uh-uh, no, uh, you're going to be called the least in the kingdom of God. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So he's like, gentlemen, don't misunderstand just because there's a new sheriff in town, just because I'm here and I am the Messiah, and many of them are starting to believe. So he's done some miracles, and they're kind of convinced. So they're looking over at the temple, and they're looking at their heritage and their ancestors, and it's like, oh, that's formal stuffy. Let's just throw that away, and let's go with Jesus. Like, whoa, whoa, that's still in play. It's very still important. In fact, in that law, it predicts and prophesies who I am. So stay with it keep with it. And then he reinforces that and gives him a warning. But I warn you, we'll go to the next one. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter in the kingdom of heaven. What? Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom. Where is he going with this? Uh, th this is a really high bar here because they're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're the ministers, right? They're the scholars. They're, they're the, the holders of our religion. And you're asking me, my religion, to be higher than theirs? And, and sometimes it's very confusing. Now, if you've been a Christian or know the Bible for s some, some time, this can be confusing. It was confusing to me. I was like, well, why is he setting the Pharisees? Well, wasn't those the guys that Jesus didn't like? 
Didn't Jesus confront those guys? They were hypocrites. They were holy and thou. And eventually he would, he would confront them. See, the Pharisees were notorious for having an outside look. Oh, man, they rode the, wore the robes and they walked slow and they were very studious and they knew the scriptures better than anybody. They had this spiritual authority. So you need to follow us. They were notorious for for. Manipulating the scriptures and leveraging it for their status, because we are the we are the the gold standard here on what it is to be godly, and you better follow us, and we're going to tell you how to do it. Now Jesus is like, oh, your righteousness needs to be better than them. So even the the modern day Christians like, well, they, Jesus didn't like them. Eventually, Jesus would confront them. Jesus would irritate them and said, you guys are false, man. You're you're, you're kind of like a, a plastic worm. You're not real. In fact, they didn't like that so much that they conspired to eliminate him. In fact, they conspired the crowds and talked the Romans into crucifying him. He eventually get crucified, which that was his plan all along, right? So now he's like, yeah, you need to look at the righteous people and, the, and your righteousness needs to be higher. All right, so here's the catch. When he says righteousness, he's talking about your heart. And these guys, these Pharisees, didn't have much of a heart. They were not very authentic. Uh, they were all about the exterior. They were always about the rules. They were always about performance and, and looking good and knowing all this head knowledge, right? Like, like the plastic worm. But their heart was shallow. It was false. It was a lot of times hypocritical. And so Jesus is like, hey, you can rise above that. You need to rise above that. Their righteousness, your righteousness can be better. Well, there's always a temptation to lean into the exterior, right? Um, for instance, I'm going to pick on my dear old dad. Uh, I, I love my dad, and he, he loves me. And, and uh, my dad kind of grew up in old school, the 50s and 60s. He was a real churchman, and uh, he's going to be 90 in, in August, so he's really proud of me, and he's happy that I'm a minister, and he watches sometimes, and he's been here and stuff. But, but through the years, we have this ongoing kind of debate, all right? And the debate is about what preachers wear on the platform. <laughs> he don't understand why, why the young preachers, ministers, are so casual, see? Because in his mind, in his world, if anything is important, then, then you dress up for it, okay? In the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, people were much more formal. Uh, men commonly wore suit and ties. Even if you traveled, you wore suit and tie. Um, and, and, he's, and, I, and he would say, it makes a statement. And, and I agree with that. Uh, what we wear m makes a, a statement. Um, still, even today, you'll notice that if something's important, they will dress up. A huge sporting event, uh, even Super Bowls or, or Sunday's football, those, those anchor guys, they'll wear a, a, a coat and a tie, right? You watch the evening news, those broadcasters, they're coming off serious. They're coming off important. They have a suit and tie. They're, they're formalized. Our politicians, our president, rarely do you see them just dressing casually. Why? Because the office, the, the, the weight they are carrying calls for them to make a statement. This is serious. This is important. So he's like... Jim, this is why you need to dress up. God is serious. God's important. What's all this, you know, casualness and ripped jeans and, and T-shirts? I, I, I don't get that. He struggles with that, right? So I'm trying to explain to him. 
my 90 and 89 year old dad, I said, Dad, so things have shifted in America. So it's, people are not looking uh, for how formal and straight and knowledgeable you are. They're not really looking how many degrees and how, how scholarly you are. The number one question people are asking a minister today is, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Are you authentic? Because I understand this generation's had years of just every scandal has come their way. Uh, every other week, there's some guy that blows it or does something. They've just seen a lot of hypocrisy. So when we're like, hey, you want to be a Christian? You're like, oh, you want to be a hypocrite, right? You say you love, but I don't, I don't feel you love. And you're judgmental and you're harsh and stuff. You know, it's kind of like in the, in the, I don't know, I don't know, years ago. It used to be that you make a decision to believe in Jesus, and then you go to a church to belong, all right? I said it's changed, Nowadays, people are going to a church to belong before they believe. Because what they want to do is, is kick the tires and test if these people who claim that they are these Jesus followers, are they real or are they hypocrites? So people will hang out to churches, and they're talking, and they're evaluating, and they're looking at me, and they're evaluating. Big deal. You got a nice suit on. Big deal. You got some degrees and all that kind of stuff. But what are you doing behind the scenes? Are you greedy? Are you uh, sexualizing? Are you inconsistent? I got no time for that. So, so I said, so, so what ministers are trying to do is pierce that skepticism. They're trying to be more authentic and say, listen, I'm not pious. I, I'm not trying to impress you. And on the outside, look how uh, sophisticated and smart I am. Let's just be real. And so I said, sometimes, you know, they're, they're with a ripped jean or a T-shirt and stuff, they're, they're trying to communicate, hey, I'm real. I'm just like you. God, God is real. Well, he chuckles, and he kind of, I think he understands, but he don't like it, right? And he sends me a note once in a while. Hey, you need to at least put a, a coat on. Okay, Dad, I got, I got the message right. Well, this is kind of what Jesus is trying to get across, right? He's like, hey, I'm looking for your righteousness to be real. I need you to be like this nightcrawler man. This thing is wiggly. It's alive. There's something in there, right? It's ooey gooey, right? You get this plastic thing, right? Everybody just looks the same. But on the outside, it looks kind of attractive. At least has a shape like a worm, right? He's like, man, you got to be real and authentic. Now, the law, he says, man, do not throw out the baby with the bathwater. And sometimes it's, it's bad theology. Sometimes there is hypocrisy. Sometimes the, the law is very strict and stuffy and formal. Uh, but we don't throw out the law with, just because there's some bad elements. The, the law has a place. Because inside the law is God's standards. Inside his word are God's expectations, how to live, how to function, how to view life. And, and we, don't, we are not saved by the Bible. We're not saved by the law. It's through Jesus. That's why he's come to fulfill it. But we don't just get rid of these um, boundaries and expectations and these commandments of God in that generation and even in this generation. They work together. So it's very common today, uh, as Jesus was finding out, that people are defaulting to say, well, you know, I'm just going with my heart. 
if, if Jesus just judges the heart, then I have a real sincere heart, and I love God, and I believe in God, but I really don't have to follow his, his expectations, his rules, his commandments. We'll just have this personal relationship, spiritualism with God, and I don't need the church. I don't need any organization. I don't need any boundaries. I'll make up on my own boundaries. At the other time, there's a temptation that's like, oh, man, I, I'm going to make sure that I look good. I'm going to show up to church every Sunday. I'm not going to uh, break any commandments. I'm going to be really straight and formal and, and full of all kinds of knowledge. But my heart is not close to God. It, it's, 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 it's not soft. There's no love life. There's no intimacy. But boy, I am a dedicated Christian. And people look at me and say, whoo, you must be really dedicated. And here's the news, my friends. It said, God judges the heart and the deeds. He judges the heart and the deeds. The Bible says he does look at the heart. That's so important. But he also, there's places where he's going to look at what we did and we didn't do. They go hand in hand, the heart and the deeds, to be authentic and the law. And Jesus said, don't throw away the law. In fact, I'm in the law. I'm part of that law that wasn't speak into your life. So if you're going to take home one thing today, if you're going to remember one thing today, it would be when we follow Jesus, we don't have to look perfect, but we have to be real. We don't have to look perfect, okay? But boy, what God is looking for is that we are real inside. It's not so much the quantity of traditions and um, actions that we have, but it's really the quality of of our heart. It, it's being real versus plastic. It's being authentic versus pretending. And so this is what Jesus is trying to hone in on. In fact, this is so heavy on his heart that two chapters later, he circles back and he says this scary statement. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the, my father and who is in heaven. Many of you say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy or, or speak or, or preach in your name and, and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. My friends, this passage ought to shake us. I know personally, I don't even like reading it because I can be guilty of this. Is it possible that I could, hey, I preached for many years. I'm Mr. Pastor Guy, right? I don't do these things. And one day show up to God and says, Jim, I never knew you. You were just pretending. You were just going through the motions. You were just head knowledge and, and formalization versus having a real, yeah, but I did these things. I was a good person. Yeah, but I didn't know your heart. There was no love life there. So really, it really begs the question, are we true? Are we authentic? Are, are we all in with Jesus? Or are we more about traditions and just fluffy spiritual thoughts and, and, and uh, feelings? Are we close to God? Is it real in our life or just pretending, fake? You know, what if this summer that we had enough time that we paused and we thought about, you know, are we real or are we fake? The day, day I meet God, is he going to know me? 
or, or am I going to say, well, you know how many times I went to church? You know how much I gave? You know how much I served? And you know, I, I had these scriptures and I helped my neighbor and stuff. Yeah, but we, he's going to say, but we never had conversations. You were just being a religious kind of Christian person. I never knew you. Man, that, that should make us shiver. Are we real for God? So where do we go from here? How do we get authentic? How do we make sure that we're tied into God and, and it's, it, we're going places, right? And he knows us. Well, let me give you three suggestions that I try to do myself and I want to just uh, suggest to you. Number one is to pause and reflect. Ask those hard questions. Are we alive with God? Do we have a true intimacy with God? Does he know our name? Do we know him versus about him? Are we playing, pretending or being kind of pseudo-Christians? Are we real? This should be a wake-up call from us. This, when we read the scriptures, say, man, I, I don't want to be that person that God says, away from me, you evildoer. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't. No, no, you wasn't real. You're just pretending. Second thing I, I would suggest, you work on the inner relationship with Christ. It is easy to say, you know, I don't, I don't do drugs. I don't steal. I haven't killed anybody. I'm really, you know, I'm really a good person. I give the charity and help out and stuff. But when's the last time we spend some time reflecting on our relationship with God, speaking to him? Are we taking time to pray? Are we, are we taking time to, well, what does God say? And letting that soak into us, reading that maybe at night or in the morning and say, you know, I need to apply that. I need to change I need to be more like him, and I'm learning, and, and it bugs me if I don't, and, and there's something real in there. About filtering, how often do we filter thoughts and decisions through Christ? Or is the only time we think about Christ is on Sunday mornings, or, or when we went, maybe we uh, watch something on, on the screen about Christ? Are we filtering, you know what? Um, I'm going into a meeting this week. Jesus, help me to be more like you. Jesus, help me to be calm and, and know that you have the victory. Jesus, help me to be more like you when I have a conversation, tough conversation with a family member. Or, or help me how I view what I see on the news through you. Help me to view my neighbor in a different way. Filter things through him. This is, this is genuine. This is where authenticity comes into play. And thirdly, I would suggest to you to do something risky. When we do something that takes courage and risky, there's a high likelihood that we're real because it's probably going to cost us something. See, I, I, would, I would submit to you that if our godly antenna, righteous antenna is up, then we're going to hear from God. And a lot of times he's going to speak to us. He's going to prompt us. And a lot of times this might cost us something. This might become scary. He might say, hey, why don't you go over there and ask that neighbor if they need any help? I'm busy. But if we're not paying attention to God and just looking like we look like a Christian, we kind of act like a Christian, but, but our heart is not open to Christ, then we don't have to hear his voice and pay attention to that. But sometimes he's say, hey, I, I'd like for you to give this. I'd like for you to speak here. I, I maybe just listen to someone. You know, if someone's hurting, does it hurt you? Is your heart soft? Are you real? Can you sympathize? Can you empathize with people? And sometimes it's going to cost us. When's the last time you claimed that you were a Christian that it cost you something socially, financially, and with your time? 
This last week, we had one of our missionaries from Africa, and he was explaining that over in East Africa, if, you, if you're a Christian man, uh, there's a lot of times you're, it's going to cost you. He says, no, none of the Christians over there carry a hard copy Bible. Because when Muslims see that, they're going to persecute you. They're going to oppress you. And some people in the radicals have lost their life, and, and they even know that. Their life is on the line. But here in the suburbs of, of America, we're like, I don't, want to, I don't want my Christianity to cost me anything. But Jesus said, if you're not, if you're not able to, to pay the price, if you're not willing to sacrifice and suffer, some, you might not be a real follower of, of me. So how are you different? What is it costing you? I have a, good, a feeling that if it costs you something, you're probably going to be more like a squirmy worm than a plastic worm. Now, here's an idea that might cost you something. It's called water baptism. I don't know how many of you have gone under the water, water baptism, but some people are like, well, I don't want to do that. You know, my hair will be awfully nice, and everybody's looking at me, and the guy's like, dunks me, I come out, and I'm a mess, and I'm ah, dripping wet, you know. Why do we do that in the first place, Right? Because that kind of can cost us, kind of sacrifice. Because we are so authentic, we are so in love with Christ, we're making a statement. In fact, what, why God instituted water baptism is a declaration of something publicly, what God did something personally in your life. Because what that symbolizes is that we are standing in the water like a, like a bath, that we are dirty with our sin, but because Christ forgave us and we received his forgiveness through faith because of the blood, we go under his blood. We are buried, Roman talks about, in Christ. And then when we come out, that blood washes us. We are clean. We are a new beginnings. We are a new creature, forgiven in God. And what we are doing is we're making a proclamation. Hey, man, I am real, and I want the world to know it. I want the devil to know it. I want God to know it. I want my friends to know it. And I'm willing to get wet, man. Take me down. Bring me up. I am a new creation. If you haven't done that before, I'd, I'd say that's a, that's a real step of being authentic. In fact, we're going to offer this in October, October, August 1st. We're going to have a baptism service. There's a form online under our next steps that you can fill that out. It gets to a staff person. And man, it's, it's a statement to say, I want to be real with God. Maybe that's for you. Think about that. Ultimately, when we follow Jesus, he's not looking that you look perfect and you act like a Christian. He wants you to be real. Can you imagine a community or a church that's really authentic in Christ Jesus? What kind of conversations would we hear? Well, who would we bump into? Can you imagine talking to a friend or someone in the lobby or maybe online or something? Someone says, you know, I've been reading and I've been uh, praying with God and, and he's been speaking to me in this way. Whoa, wow, that, that sounds real to me. Uh, what if you heard somebody say, you know, I've, I've been praying and I just kind of felt convicted that God doesn't want me to do that anymore. The things I'm watching, some of the things I'm doing, that's just not really healthy for my soul, my relationship, and I just feel like God wants me to put that down and, and avoid those activities. Would that be real? Could, could you ever hear someone said, you know, would you pray for me? I, I'm trying to live authentically for Christ, and sometimes it's hard. My family and my friends can kind of put pressure. Would you pray for me? Man, to me, that would like, man, that, you're serious. You, you're real. You're vulnerable to speak to that. But what if you were in a marriage where, where your spouse said, you know, honey, I I think we need to reach out to this person. I've just been feeling and thinking that this person needs our help. That would be a sign that someone is real versus plastic. 
So I want to close with this challenge. I've got a couple of questions for you. And I think this is what Jesus was trying to communi- communicate here. That your righteousness must, must be better than the righteousness of those religious people over there. So how many people do you know that you would classify as really true, genuine followers of Jesus Christ? Can you think in your mind, who are those people? Could you think of five of them? It's like, I I think they're genuine. They're genuine. Would there be 10 of them? Okay. The next question is, would they name you? Would your name come up? They said, you know, I I know enough of that about a person. I think they're genuine. They don't go through the motions. They, they, They love Jesus and love church. But man, deep in their heart, I know they're speaking to Jesus. Jesus is speaking to them. They're real. Would your name be classified? Is that? Let's take a, a minute to just pause and reflect. A lot of times we close your eyes. You could do this at your home or wherever you're listening to this. And let's just take a couple minutes to evaluate our righteousness. Do you find yourself going through the motions, having a form of Christianity? Maybe have a lot of knowledge, but man, your heart has really not been engaged with Jesus. It's been a long time since you've had a real abiding time in him. Are you authentic or are you more plastic? You know, if, if God loves us and if we follow the words of Christ, then sometimes he just convicts us. He just pushes us back and says, man, you you need to get right. And this morning we can get right with God. One of the best ways is just confess and repent. Say, Jesus, you got me. I'm afraid that I'd be one of those people if I stood before you, he says, man, I don't know you. I've seen your actions. I've seen you do this and this and that, but we haven't had a conversation. You've been kind of false. You've just been kind of going through the motions. Oh God. Would your grace fall on us today, God, and forgive us? All of us here somewhere, God, could probably confess that, that we've been kind of faking it or just not paying attention and our heart hasn't grown hungry for you. And Jesus, you know that we don't always have to know all the answers. We don't have to know the Bible backwards and forwards. We don't have to wear the right clothes and speak the right language. But if our heart is not in love with you, if you're not the first thing in our heart, God, then we're just kind of religious people. And you've come, God, to make us fully alive, to be brothers and sisters, to be an intimate place that you would call us friends, not just a, a, a student to a master, but we're so close that you'd say, man, we're, you know my heart, and I know your heart, and we're traveling together, even though life is tough and Performance is not always there, but your heart is sincere. Oh God, fill us, grow us, renew us. Help us to start new this summer of 2021, God, that if anyone would be able to, they could name us as being a true, authentic followers of Christ. We thank you for your grace. We know right now, God, your spirit is doing that in people's hearts, God. And I'm so thankful, I'm so proud. And I wanna journey together with people, God, that we go forward being real, not always perfect on the outside, but being real on the inside. Help us, we pray 
In Jesus' name, amen.